0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. God will give you the tact, the right words in
1: that moment that you are to speak. Words seasoned with grace, the Apostle Paul says. Words that are tactful and graceful and gentle. By the way, when we get to Galatians chapter 6, he says if somebody is caught up or overtaken by a sin, you who are righteous, restore them, but you better do so gently,
0: gently, using tact. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kadiohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. As some of us may have experienced, confronting a brother or sister in sin isn't always comfortable. Whether we're not good with words or we feel intimidated, relying on our own ability is dangerous. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us the importance of relying on God's spirit and wisdom when it comes to confronting one another. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor JD in Galatians chapter 2 with part 2 of his message How to Solve Problems.
1: Why does Paul use such tact? I believe the answer is twofold. First, he's wisely wanting to avoid unnecessary conflict. Notice I didn't say he's wanting to avoid conflict. No, no. Avoid conflict at all costs, peace at all costs, not at all. Not the Apostle Paul. No, he's wanting to avoid unnecessary conflict. Certainly, (laughs) he would have needlessly created conflict had he come in hot, so to speak. You know, with all guns blazing. He would have, if you will, put another log on the already burning hot fire. I like how one commentator said it. Paul didn't do this because he knew being right did not give him the privilege of being rude. You know, sometimes I think when we share the gospel, we're just obnoxious. We're we're really inconsiderate and rude. It's like we throw all tact. Out the window. I'm not talking about being hypersensitive to. You don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about using tact, a God given tact that we need to use when we're presenting the gospel and sharing Jesus Christ with others. There's already the the conflict is already there. There's already conviction there. And so we come in hot. We're going to create the very thing we're hoping to avoid. We don't want to add another log to the fire. We don't want to start an argument. How many times have we ended up in an argument when sharing the gospel? Oh, Satan's so good at that. Isn't he? When you're sharing with somebody, you're talking with somebody, let's put it in the context of a disagreement. Have you ever said this? Think about this. Have you ever said this? What were we arguing about again? Oh my goodness. If, my, if I had a dollar for every time my wife said that to me, this was early on in our marriage. We have a perfect marriage now. We've been married for 29 years, of course. very Very godly man, you know. She'll be your second service. She'll uh, fill you in on the rest, tell you the story, but I guess. This is Proverbs 15.1. Listen, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me say it this way. A rude word, an inconsiderate word, stirs up anger. You know, those, those embers that are still kind of glowing, it just, it stirs them up and it starts the flame again, starts it all back up again. Proverbs 26 uses this metaphor, verses 20 and 21. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. You know, some people are just, by nature, fighters. And by that I mean, you just love a good fight. And so you like to stir things up. You kind of, I don't know, maybe it's the adrenaline? You like the adrenaline? Proverbs 25, verse 15 by long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded. And listen to this. This is really interesting. A gentle tongue breaks a bone. best way I ever heard this explained was this way. You know how when someone is yelling at you, you know, kind of like I do sometimes <laughs> when I yell, isn't it true that we, we kind of tune it out, I remember growing up as a kid, my mom with her thick accent and that high-pitched voice. Man, she had a high-pitched voice. She would yell, oh, he do. And she would hit a key. I don't know if it was F-sharp or what. But man, as soon as she hit that key, I just blanked. I didn't hear a single word. All I heard was, oh, he do. That was it. And then I just didn't hear anything else. This proverb is saying this. It's not that yelling or screaming, that rude, harsh, angry tone. It's that soft whisper. That gets my attention. I know I've referred to this many times in the past, but remember that commercial... For those of you who are older, <laughs> from a long time ago, long, long time ago, it was a shampoo commercial and it was like this. It was, if you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. Oh, look. Look at you looking at me when I just did that. I, I, some of you go, what, what do you say? If you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. It's that soft, gentle, you know what it is? It's the still, small, Voice of the Holy Spirit. Remember Elijah? There he is hiding in the cave. He wants God to kill him. He is so disappointed in God not doing what he thought God should do, killing Ahab and Jezebel. So God comes to him. He's in the cave, he says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He knew what Elijah was doing there. But it's really interesting how it came about. There was this earthquake. I mean, it shook. And it says God wasn't in the, the dramatic earthquake. There was this mighty wind. Surely God's going to be in the mighty wind. No, he wasn't in the mighty wind. And then there's this fire. And by the way, Elijah likes fire. He just got done calling down fire, you know, consuming the sacrifice to Baal. He's going to go up in a fiery chariot ride. I mean, this guy, maybe he was a pyromaniac. I don't know, just saying. Possibility. He likes fire. Surely God's going to be in the fire. No! He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the big, the fire, the dramatic. No. He was in the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. As I'm up here, I'm keenly aware that the Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful to God for this, (laughs) will allow you to hear a different sermon than the one I'm preaching. And you know how he does it? He'll take the words that I speak, and before they reach your heart, he fine-tunes and tailors it To you personally, I'm sorry if I'm pointing at anybody here. (laughs) You, oh me. (laughs) He knows. He knows. No. That's the still, small, refining voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's what breaks us. That's what breaks the fallow ground. That's what softens the hardened heart. It breaks a bone. There's a second reason why Paul wisely uses such tact, and it's that he didn't want to damage his reputation. He didn't want to damage the ministry or bring any kind of reproach on the ministry that may have ensued. And the reason I say that and believe that is because Paul says he he wants to be sure he wasn't running his race in vain. In other words, had he done the right thing, but in the wrong way, and with the wrong heart, it would have marred the work that he was doing. Would have sort of spoiled it, if you will. Now, this ties into our second one, and this is the last one we'll look at today, and it's That of discernment. God will give you the tact, the right words in that moment that you are to speak. Words seasoned with grace, the apostle Paul says. Words that are tactful and graceful and gentle. By the way, when we get to Galatians chapter 6, he says, if somebody is caught up or overtaken by a sin, you who are righteous, restore them, but you better do so gently, gently, using tact. Well, what comes packaged with tact is discernment. This is something that only comes by way of the Holy Spirit. It's a discernment of spirits. In verses 3 through 5, Paul tells them that not even Titus, who was with him, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And he says that the issue came up due to these fake believers who had secretly infiltrated their ranks, and they did so to spy on and take away their freedom in Christ. And then Paul says that not only did they stand up to them, They didn't give in to them for a single moment. And the reason for this is what I want us to really look at. He says, I I did this because the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. In other words, if I didn't do this, if I didn't discern this, if I didn't do something about this, then it would have marred the gospel. I preserve the gospel by doing this. This is one of those places in God's word where we need a little bit of the backstory for the sake of context, because whenever you talk about circumcision, it's not something we deal with on a you know daily basis. I'm sure nobody came here today uh, with this issue of to circumcise or not to circumcise. <laughs> so you'll bear with me as I try to uh, work through this. You have to understand that Titus was a Gentile. That's why he wasn't circumcised. But the problem was, is that circumcision was a requirement under the law of Moses. And here's the thing. There were those in Jerusalem that were saying that, okay, you got saved, praise the Lord, but now you need to get circumcised too, in accordance with the law of Moses. And... Unless and until you do this, you're not really a Christian yet. See, it's Jesus and circumcision. Let me bring it, uh, and we've talked about this as well. There's this false doctrine in the church today called baptismal regeneration. What is baptismal regeneration? Baptismal regeneration is this false teaching that you have to be water baptized in other words, you get saved, praise the Lord, but now you have to be water baptized. It's Jesus and water baptism, to which, and I've, <laughs> I've had not so tactful discussions sometimes with those who promote this, but I simply refute it this way, and I have yet to have anybody. I've had somebody try, pretty good try, but uh, <laughs> refute, refute, refutable. So you're telling me that uh, it's Jesus and water baptism. Maybe for purpose of discussion, we can make synonymous circumcision with water baptism, okay? So it's Jesus and water baptism. So you're telling me that I'm saved, I come to Christ, by grace you are saved, through faith that is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, but you have to be water baptized. Really? Well, that's that's a big problem, because you see, when Jesus was crucified, there were two other criminals that were crucified with him. And one of them said to Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. What? What? well, wait a minute, if if what you're telling me is true, then that means that Jesus should have said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that today, if you can figure out a way to get off the cross, go get water baptized, get back up here, and then today, you see how silly that is? Well, it's back to our sermon already in progress here. So they were requiring that in order to be a Christian, you had to be circumcised. And this is why Paul is doing what he's doing. And he outs them. He outs them. He exposes them as the legalists that they are. One thing about the Apostle Paul, make no mistake about it, he had no time for the legalist. You introduce... This is the Apostle Paul... The Pharisee of Pharisees we're talking about. You you want to bring legalism into this? You want to send spies into the church with this? One commentator said it this way. They crept in to spy on the liberty of Paul, Titus, and Barnabas, not to celebrate it, but to regulate it. I don't think they knew who they were (laughs) up against. Enter the Apostle Paul. He not only discerns it and stands up to it and refuses to give in to it, he does something about it. It's it's one thing to have discernment, it's an entirely different thing to use discernment. You can have it, but you got to use it. You got to put it to use, you got to apply it. And that's what Paul does. By the way, this is a spoiler alert of sorts. When we get to chapter five, oh my goodness, pray for me, and pray for yourself too, because when we get to chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, let me read this, okay? Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. What did Jesus come here and do? As for those agitators, is, these are the people he's dealing with here. He says this: I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about just okay. You want to you want to you want to be circumcised? Go ahead. You know what? I hope they castrate you. Okay, talk about uncomfortable, right? <laughs> are you kidding me? What? Why? Why is? Paul's so blunt about this that he would say something like this. Don't think for a moment that he's being disproportionately harsh in confronting them. He has to. You know why? Do you know what's at risk here? What's at risk is the preserving of the truth of the gospel. In other words, the stakes were so high that the truth of the gospel was actually in jeopardy of being compromised and even corrupted. And that's why the Apostle Paul discerned it and confronted it and did something about it. He had to. Had he not, think about this. The church would have been at risk of being brought back into the bondage of the law. I would suggest that, and I'll bring it to a close. The danger of legalism is alive and well in the church today, and left unchecked, it can do unthinkable harm. That's what's at stake. It's not circumcision, obviously, in our day, but this principle still applies to us today. I want to close by way of this illustration. I think it'll be apropos, and I share it by way of a a personal example. When I was a very young believer and single, and after Bible study one night, we would always go out to J.B. Big Boys and fellowship, (laughs) which meant eat a lot of food and talk till like 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, on this particular evening, there was about 20 of us, and we're all sitting around this huge big round table after a midweek Bible study. And there was this guy, I had not seen him before, and keep in mind i'm a really you know young immature christian and he says this he says you know i got rid of my tv that's sin you, you can't be a christian and have a tv you can't <laughs> i kind of like my tv i've got two of them actually <laughs> and and the implication was i'm a superior christian And if you still have a TV, I don't think you're really a Christian. In other words, Jesus and, something you do or something you don't do. What about the liberty in Christ? What about all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable? What about our freedom in Christ, our freedom from the bondage and slavery to the law? Oh, you're imposing a requirement, are you? What happened was this. There were those who were like, whoa. And they were kind of backtracking, you know, like, well, I only watch the news. You know, I've got to stay up on prophecy, <laughs> Right. You know, kind of back, well, I I really don't. I mean, I have a TV, I don't really watch it. Sinful, evil, wicked. And there was not one person there, there was not an Apostle Paul there to rebuke this guy and to say to him, How dare you? How dare you? Shame on you. You're a false teacher. That's a false gospel. Here's the question I want to leave us with. What would you do? Maybe you've been confronted with that kind of a situation or something similar to that. What are you going to do? Are you going to cower and sort of acquiesce to this? Or are you going to confront it and rebuke them? Are you going to rebuke them and gently, tactfully, Using your discernment, say, that's not biblical. Maybe God's telling you not to have a TV. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm free in Christ. Don't even get me started talking about the Christian who has a liberty to have a glass of wine. Oh, wow. You went there? Yes, I did. (laughs) And maybe we'll go there again, but not right now.
0: Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from Galatians has blessed you and that you desire to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or other teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take in spirit and truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Android or Apple smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website. You can find Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update online as well. These weekly updates take a critical look at what's happening in the world today, particularly in the areas talked about in the Bible. Many of the events we see have been prophesied in the Bible, but with all that's going on, how do we know what's real and what isn't? Pastor J.D. takes the time each week to compare world events to biblical passages and gives us a clear picture of where we are. Tune in every Friday and Saturday to hear the latest edition or find it on our mobile app. Visit inspiritandtruthradio.com to learn more. Thanks again for joining us today on In Spirit and Truth. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way. We want you to know we pray for you often. Join Pastor JD on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth to keep learning more from the book of Galatians.